0: Welcome back to another episode of On the Spot Sports, and today we got a good one. We got Carmine Guerrero coming on to the podcast from from Montreal. He's a he's a former professional goalie for in the East Coast Hockey League for South Carolina Stingrays, Brampton Bees, Idaho Steelheads, Manchester Monarchs, and the Atlanta Gladiators. He played over in France in Brest. He uh, he was an NCAA Division One hockey goalie at University of Alabama Huntsville and he's currently a goaltending coach at St. Lawrence University. So this is going to be a good one. Can't wait to have Carmine on. So let's get into this episode. Yo, welcome back to another episode of On Spot Sports. I'm Jack, and today we have a very special guest. We have Carmine Guerrero, who is a retired professional goalie after he spent time in the ECHO, in the East Coast Hockey League with South Carolina Stingrays, Brampton Beasts, Idaho Steelheads, Manchester Monarchs. And the atlanta gladiators and then played over in france for his last season and he, he also played four years of ncaa hockey with university of alabama huntsville he is also now currently the goalie coach at st lawrence university welcome to the show carmine guerrero carmine how are you hey jack thanks for having me man yeah no problem it's uh it's gonna be a fun one can't wait for it yeah let's get it yeah so uh, can you give the viewers a little background like why you started playing hockey, when you became a goaltender, like what drove you to becoming a goalie coach and pursue <clears throat> a pro career as a goaltender?
1: Yeah, like, I mean, I could, uh,
0: I got a pretty long
1: story, but uh, just to start off, I, I I started playing hockey when I was like, I think three years old. It was, it was big in my family. Everybody watched it. So obviously, you know, me, me being from Montreal, there was Montreal Canadiens game on, TV every whenever they played you know so uh, from a young age I I, I enjoyed watching the sport and I started playing it and uh, I was a forward up until probably turned like I think it was like six so I probably played like three years of of forward Um, and funny enough the, the reason why I became a goalie was because on my you know, my youth team, we would rotate. Uh everybody would take a turn to go and net. And my my father was the coach of my team. And uh uh it just so happened that on my team nobody wanted to be goalie. And I to be completely fair, like I didn't want to be either. I was having fun, you know, just skating around the rink and but my dad being the coach, uh, he had to put somebody in and he sacrificed me. So I <laughs> I I put on the the little gear there and uh kind of you know it, it started becoming a, a a reoccurring thing because nobody else wanted to go in nets. So um I kind of I guess I was pretty good at it and then the next thing you know I, I had the the full goalie gear on and and then I just I was my dad's like, well, you know this this is gonna be you. Plus, my dad kind of he idolized uh, Patrick Ross, so you know it was kind of like I don't know. It was just it all felt you know it all came together. Um, and then I played my youth hockey back home. I never I never made the double A team. I was never a, a, a I guess a top goalie. I was always made like the second tier team, if you want. Um, literally my whole life up until I got to like, I think 16 years old was the first time that I made double A. But then again, at that level in midget, there's triple A. (laughs) So I obviously, again, didn't make triple A, I made double A. Um, and you know, just always being cut my whole life. I was always like that last guy in you know and just almost there but not quite it kind of it played a a toll on me because like i wanted it so bad and you know i wanted to become a professional hockey player and all that stuff um that when i was 17 years old so the year after i just quit hockey uh it was it was weird but i was just sick of it like i was just sick of not making the team for whatever reason, whether it was because I was small or because I wasn't good enough or whatever the reason was, sometimes there was no reason for me being cut. And I remember this one time in particular, I could tell you the story later, but um, anyways, I, I ended up quitting hockey and I started working for the Montreal Canadiens, oddly enough. Uh, so that's funny. This um, was working in the marketing department. Uh, with a family friend, he got me in, and uh, I started meeting people. Obviously, uh, working at the games and stuff. And one day we were having a coaches' convention, and the Montreal Canadiens goalie coach at the time, whose PR grew, uh, was running like these drills on the ice in front of you know, I mean, ten thousand coaches in the Bell Center. And for some reason, I can't remember what had happened that day, but it was like either Kerry Price or Yaroslav Halak, like one of the two that was supposed to be there, couldn't make it. And for some reason, I had my goalie gear in my car. And I, and I swear to God, I hadn't I hadn't strapped the pads on for two years. Uh, I had it in my car because the night before, we had rented the ice with my friends and my buddy wanted to go net, so I brought my gear. But it just so happened that the gear stayed in my car. Anyways, pretty crazy how this... All came together but I I ended up my boss was like you know Carmen could you run home and get your your gear I was like I haven't skated in two years there's no way I'm getting on the ice in front of 10,000 people like doing like goalie drills you know and he's like you got to do it I was like you know what it's pretty crazy but I have my gear in my car maybe somebody else will wear my gear and go on and anyways, everybody was like, Carm, you gotta go, you gotta go. So it's like, all right, fine. So I freaking put the pads on, first time in two years. <clears throat> and uh, I get I get on the ice and I meet Pierre for the first time, the goalie coach. And it's funny because I was at his house like last week, we were just talking about this. And so I get on the ice, start doing the drills, and I'm feeling like really I feel like I haven't missed a beat, like I, you know, kind of like riding a bike, you know yeah and then uh after the practice uh Pierre comes in the room we start chatting and he's like so where do you play and I was like I don't play and he's like come on like what do you mean you don't play I was like no I swear I don't play hockey and he's like are you kidding me like you know you got a bunch of talent like you should be playing and I was like well like I what's the point of playing you know at this point like I want I either want to make it the pro or I don't want to play like, like I'll play for fun. I don't have to do this competitively. And anyways, you started talking about the NCAA, which I knew nothing about. You started talking about junior A hockey in Ottawa or in Ontario, which I also knew nothing about. And all this to say is like that when that happened and like, you know, it was around probably March, February, March. I was like, okay, if the NHL goalie coach is telling me this, then, you know, maybe I should give it one last go. So I, i that whole summer from from March to training camp in August, I just, that's all I did. Um, I had like, you know, my dad thought it was a terrible idea because he was like, you're wasting your time now to play for two years. You're not going to make a junior A team. Like, are you crazy? You know, like, I had like a lot of people telling me I was crazy, a lot of people not believing in me, uh, you know, even close relatives. And uh, you know, I ended up going to camp and I made the and I made the team in Hawkesbury, which was which was nuts. Um, so anyways, I wanted to share that because that that part of my story is I feel really important for kids who aspire to make it to the next level to understand that it doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter like how the odds are stacked against you. Are you, do you have a clear vision of what you want? And are you willing to put in the work? Like that's, at the end of the day, that's, that's, what's going to get you to your goals. So I just wanted to, I wanted to throw that in there. And anyway, so I played two years in, in Hawkesbury and then got a scholarship. Um, it was weird though cuz I had gotten like a I was committed to Denver University after my second year. And I got a phone call in like June from the NCAA saying that I didn't have enough I didn't have I was missing one core credit to be eligible to play in Division 1 hockey. And um so Denver called me the coach at the time, Jim Montgomery, th- those guys, Guasdecki, that whole staff was like, "Hey, you know, we we don't have time to like do an appeal and all this. I mean, school starts in like a month, you know. So what what we're gonna do is go ahead with the guy that we committed for next year. Just bring him bring him in an, a year early." Uh, and we'll try and see, you know, if there's a team that's willing to to appeal. And the reason why this happened was because I went to CJP in Quebec. And it's kind of like pre-university, but my courses were titled in French. So some of them, I guess, they didn't, you know, I guess that one course, like, didn't transfer yeah. or whatever. So it was like a bit of a headache. But I got a call from UH, and both of those coaches were two – Denver alum so I guess you know they and they needed a goalie so they got in in the the Denver coaching staff got in touch with them and then they gave me a call and were like hey if we like appeal and get you through then will you and this is Mike Corbett my head coach at the time he was like if if I get you through this appeal if it works then will you commit to us 'Cause obviously he's like, I'm I gonna do this if you're just gonna yeah. go elsewhere. So I didn't I didn't care. I was like, yeah, of course. Like I'll play I wanna play Division One hockey. I don't care where I play it. Um so that's how I ended up at UAH and had, you know, four years there and then went on to play in the East Coast hockey league that first year, which was you know, you could, you could argue I played, I mean, I only played like eight games that year. It was a freaking, or, I don't even know how many games I played, seven. I don't know.
0: I think something like that.
1: Yeah. So it was crazy. Like, I mean, on five different teams, I probably spent more time on an airplane and in a taxi than with actual teammates that year. But, uh, yeah, it was a cool learning experience. Like, you know, just some more adversity. Not that I hadn't seen it my whole life. I mean, I was used to it. Like it was fun. Kept getting traded, kept getting cut. Uh, you know how it works. Guys get sent down and then you're like the odd man, out which whatever it is, what it is. So that kind of made me really want to, uh, you know, go somewhere the year after where I knew I was going to play and, you know, Quite literally, the first phone call I got after my season in the East Coast Hockey League. It was a coach in France, and he he's like, "Look, like and I know it's not the top league, but if we win the league, then we'll move up, and you'll be my guy for the following years, and all this stuff. We're gonna have a great team." And I was like, "Whatever, yeah, sure. Like, if that means that I'm gonna play every game, then." I'll do that, and if we could move up, then, you know, perfect. If not, like, I'll just go somewhere else the following year. Um, But I ended up going there. We finished first place, so it was pretty cool going from, you know, playing, like, seven games a year before, you know, not winning a game. I don't think I did because, you know, I didn't really play seven games. I was getting put into games. I think I played, like, three games. (laughs) Uh, And so – you know, to finishing first, winning, winning a bunch and having a really good season. That was, that was fun. Unfortunately, we got beat in the playoffs by the team who won it all, but. uh That's always the worst. Yeah, it was like, you know, the round just before the finals and we, we ran into a team that was just like hot, like they finished the year hot and they were, I don't know, they, they beat us, like they beat us in. I think cuz it was best of 5s there, the playoffs. And uh yeah, they beat us 3 games to 1. It was like pretty crazy. Nobody expected it. Um but I mean they were good and they ended up I mean they ended up sweeping the finals. They won 3 games in a row. They won, so they're, they're a good good team, kudos to them. Um but yeah, and then, you know, life happens and you kind of have to prioritize. And I, at the, at the time I, I kind of, I sat down with my girlfriend and, you know, we, she had a cool opportunity out of, out of school to start work. And I didn't really want to do a long distance relationship because it freaking, you know, it's, it's hard. Like, I mean, it sucks. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not fun for anyone. And you know, I, I kind of analyzed the situation and I just didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't where I wanted to be in my career. Like I had a goal in mind and that was to be, you know, in the American hockey league or playing in a, in a top league in Europe. And, you know, obviously that it wasn't, wasn't happening. Although like I could have had some pretty cool opportunities after that year in France, I just, I just like decided to start working, make some, some real money start start life kind of I guess you could say <laughs> I don't know so so yeah I was just a eager to get a change but that that's pretty much my my whole career in a nutshell there
0: yeah so you faced a lot of adversity it's like what what drove you to keep coming back like you got cut from double a you got cut from triple a what drove you to keep coming back and just keep working at it At at a, at a young age I would say that What drove me was to prove
1: people wrong. That's what was. I was also very very short when I was young, so being a goalie and being short doesn't doesn't mix. I I I was um, you know you're always viewed viewed as uh, as an undersized goalie, and the thing is, a lot of people that don't know goaltending. Will will automatically say, Well, you need a big guy because it covers most of the net. And the, when you're playing in the minors, you know, uh sorry, youth hockey, then you know dads coaching the team don't know don't know any better, right? It's just like you know, it's like the old way of thinking where like you have to be big in order to be good kind of thing. Um but yeah, like I I think that's what drove me at first was just proving people wrong and later on in my career it was or when I uh wanted to uh you know start playing again and get into junior a that what drove me there was proving to myself that I could that I could make it there It kind of took away like the uh like the proving people wrong and it kind of I kind of changed it to like proving myself right you know
0: yeah, yeah. So then you uh, you went to Junior A. You played in uh, Hawksbury with yeah. the, with the Hawks in the CCHL, which is a Central Central Canada Hockey League. And you you played really good with uh, your time spent in uh, Hawksbury. So, like, what was your experience like playing in Hawksbury? And like, you played in 107 games in two seasons. It's like, what was it like playing so many games? Yeah, it was. Like it was a sh- it was a
1: shock to be honest because my intentions were to make make a team and you know fight for that number one spot eventually but I didn't think it was gonna come so early and um, you know the reason it did was I I just I was playing good off the bat and my coach was kind of like the type of guy you know whoever whoever was playing whoever was winning was going to, was going to play, you know? Um, And it was, I was just such in like a good state of mind where like, you know, it was all like positive thinking. I was, I was just happy that I had made the team. I was, I was proud of myself and it kind of just that all that energy kind of flowed into my game where I was just like playing (laughs) really well. I, I don't know. And like probably, two or three weeks in, I, I kind of like took over the, the number one spot. And then, you know, I I think I ended up playing like 40 something games that first year, which was, which was a lot because I hadn't played for two years. So, <laughs> but it was good. Like, I mean, I got ready for it like the whole summer, right? Like I was getting ready to eventually take over at some point. Like I knew I would, I just didn't know when it would come and obviously it came a lot earlier than I thought. And then the next season was, was, was good too. I got a chance to play like, I don't know, I played like like 50 something games that year. And, you know, I, I think that organization that gave me that chance, um, the general manager, Ian Henderson, and the coaching staff, Dustin Traylon and Sean Anderson, those guys, Literally gave me an opportunity, and they had a good team. They put a good team in place, and it really facilitated my transition from you know not playing to playing. Uh, so I was lucky to play with a with a with a good team. We had
0: we had guys that really cared, which was which was fun. Yeah. So you, like you said, you played in fifty games and like forty games. So you played a lot, obviously. So like, what kept you to like stay so strong? Because obviously playing a lot of games will definitely have a toll on your body. So, like, what do you do to, like, prevent, like, injuries and all that? I didn't even at the time. I wasn't the type of guy to, like,
1: train too much, which I would strongly advise against. Uh, I wasn't the type of guy to, you know, take myself very seriously in stretching or which, again, I strongly advise against because it's completely – nonsense. That was just me being like young and dumb, I guess. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't necessarily think that that would help me out, but uh, I I just, I I don't know. I was in good spirits, man. Like that's really what it was. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't uh, do anything special. I think the fact that I was away from the game for two years and then I came back and then I proved myself right at the very early stage of making that team and then I proved myself right that I could win a hockey game and then I proved myself right that I could get a shutout and then to take over the number 1 spot it's like all these things that came into play where I was just I was just happy and I was just I was loving the game at that point like I was freaking in love with playing hockey so if my coach would tell me that I that I had a night off I'd be like rattled about it you know yeah it's like come on like I want to play like that's the type of drive and determination and hunger that I had at the time it was it was quite incredible feeling to be honest
0: yeah so your mindset must have been really really high and like you you were really confident especially since you wanted every start like all goalies do so like what what was like your mindset like the entire season and like you just kept playing playing well yeah especially well First of all, I had a great support group. Like my family and friends were
1: were really supportive of me, and that and that made me feel good. And then obviously, you you bundle that in with some some wins, and you know, coach giving you confidence, and it was like my mindset was just like play play hockey, enjoy this moment because I hadn't been playing for two years. I was just taking everything in every game from like the pre-game warm-ups with my teammates to the bus rides to everything was like I was just so happy to be a part of it. And um after that, after like being happy, my mindset was like just perform, you know. Like all of these guys in the league that, you know, are committed to D1 schools or all the guys that are like the top players in the league or whatever, it was like shut those guys down like show them that you belong with like the best and that and that was it it was just like me constantly wanting to improve at this point and and naturally like you know winning hockey games and winning a championship that's like long-term goal um but that's that's just what my mindset was like i just wanted to play have fun win and eventually you know maybe long run in the playoffs or even win a championship. Like I don't know. I, I didn't even know like how to
0: explain. I was just happy to, to be playing is Yeah, so. I, I feel that. Like yeah. for me, like I have like that mindset as well, like positive mindset and like when I do, like my game is like really good. And then like when your team keeps losing a lot, that's when it gets tough on you. But you just gotta you just gotta keep thinking positive and positive self talk. Yeah. And, it's, it does help a lot. It's it's a huge part of the game. It's a huge part of the game. And I, I realize now,
1: you know, I keep saying I was in good spirits. Like, I really was because I realized how uh, my mindset was compared to, you know, maybe when I was <clears throat> at UH where we didn't really have much success. You know, in Hawkesbury, it was we would win a couple games, lose, win lose you know we weren't we weren't like a top team by any means but we could compete with the best teams you know and we wouldn't we wouldn't typically lose to like bottom end teams we would win those games but it was like you know we would give the top teams a really good run they had to earn the game to win so we were we were very competitive which that brings a lot of confidence to everyone as a whole right yeah and when you go into a place where you're Constantly losing as you were saying well that's that's becomes difficult on the mind, you know on your on your mental, and like how do you revert that it's like you said, positive self talk and you know just trust your abilities at the end of the day, like you could only control so much, right, yeah, and that's, you the yeah,
0: exactly, so. Yeah, and so, uh, last year for when I was playing, like, we, we'd we lose, like, we, we weren't that good, but, like, we'd lose, like, we lost, like, 10 games in a row. It was brutal, but, like, I, I just, we were giving up, like, six goals a game. Like, yeah. I, I just thought about, because, like, I, I got some uh, tips from other guys as well, and they're like, just think about, just think positive and, like, just decrease the number of goals you let in. Cause like yeah. my team wasn't scoring either. So that didn't really help me. So mm-hmm. I just like decrease the numbers from like six to five to four to three to two and so on. And it definitely did help, but like it, it sucks losing. Let's all be honest. Oh, it definitely. It definitely does. Cause you, you play the,
1: at the end of the day you play the game to win. Like that's the feeling, right? That feeling of winning is is what you play for. It's fun. Then uh, sure. Like you could have fun, in the game but if you lose the game that's not fun like you know, no matter what anybody says like that's that's not the end goal is not losing no um, so you know it's 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 tough like i i truly believe that that losing can become a habit and it becomes a habit not only like you know in in like physically like you you lose but Mentally as well, it becomes a habit because now you get into this mindset where, you know, my team is not scoring, and I've had this this exact, um, you know, thinking when I was in UAH, my team wasn't scoring goals. We were getting, I was getting peppered every game. You know, it was they were tough tough games to plan, but there was times where it was like almost feels like everyone's giving up. So you're like, well you know screw this like I'm I'm kind of giving up as well and it's it's not necessarily intentional but those are the games that you start getting scored on like one two three all of a sudden like you look up at the board and it's like five nothing and you're like how is this happening and then every bad bounce is going in it just doesn't stop right and like how do you mitigate or minimize that situation is is uh is is like we were talking about is by going back to the basics you know positive self-talk and trust yourself like trust your capabilities of like stopping the puck like you you have done this a million times before you know it's 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 just another game and you got to get out of that that kind of sluggish
0: mentality of like you know you're just done with this so. yeah yeah for sure and it was it's hard yeah it, it is hard it was definitely like that to start because like i was like their fifth goalie coming in so i was like
1: yeah
0: and it know they only played 10 games before that so it was they're already five goalies in but like i stuck around for their next like 30 games so like okay yeah like so where did you like me I I played in one of my uh, men's league teams. Oh okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like men's league can be brutal at times. Oh yeah,
1: no defense.
0: <laughs> like I got I got peppered with sixty five shots in a game before, and yeah. like six nothing.
1: Yeah, but, oh I know it's it's, it's hard. That's it, it becomes really it's it's
0: mentally tough. It is. it is, but I got I got through. We got we came up with some wins here and there. So like, mm-hmm. at least we won some. Yeah. It, you know, at the end of the day, I think like as a goalie, you got to
1: give your, your, your job obviously is to stop the puck naturally, but you could also give your team confidence. Um, and obviously your, your teammates, you know, which score goals or whatever, could give you confidence as well. Cause I mean, it, 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 it helps right for a goalie to see that your team's playing the puck in the net. But, you know you can't control that. What you could control is you stopping the puck. That's at the end of the day. That's that's all you could do. It's it's so um, I don't know. It's so easy to say. Like and right now, I I feel like I'm I'm rambling on about this, but it's at the same time I like, can't stress it enough. <laughs> like it's easy to say, hard to do,
0: but you got to do it. Yeah, the, oh. you just got to do it. In that. Your job stop the puck, yeah, and have fun doing it, exactly, so uh, let's go on uh when you went on to University of Alabama Huntsville, yeah, so you played four years there, you guys were were okay, so like you played your first two years, you played 21 games and 29 games, I believe, and so like what was your experience with like playing college hockey, playing on uh, Alabama Huntsville? it was good man like I loved every second of that place I uh
1: I wouldn't trade it for anything like obviously I was telling you earlier how I was committed to Denver and in the four years that I played in at UAH like I think Denver won like three championships or something over the course of that time so I mean Obviously, that part is like, you know, it sucks because you, you see a team that you're committed to having that much success. But at the same time, the friendships and the lessons learned and, you know, just the experience playing hockey in the South, like people that I met, like all of that, I wouldn't trade that for anything. I, I loved every every second of it and it was it was it was cool. Like I I truly believe that that I needed to go through that in my life to be who I am now today. Uh, I needed that like how could I say this like that um, kind of like that gridiron feel like you know not not that spoon fed like yeah. stuff you know I needed to go through some some times where like everything is earned you know um so yeah that was good i i I really i can't see anything bad about that place
0: yeah so what was like the biggest learning curve that you had to do going from juniors playing college uh like we're talking playing playing right yeah
1: um i want to say you know because you because you get ready every summer um, I think the biggest jump going from from juniors to, to college was um, probably would be like reading the play just because stuff happens a lot faster. And the NCAA is a lot of like NCAA hockey is a lot of dump and chase, you know, guys running into each other like it's it's like absolute chaos on the ice. So as a goalie, you kind of got to slow everything down in your head and see everything before it's happening. Um which obviously that's hard to do uh given the circumstances of NCAA hockey like it's just it's very hard but uh you know, I I think that's that's probably the biggest adjustment. The other adjustment would be like Playing two games a week, and practicing every other day—like you're you're practicing like five times a week or four times a week, playing twice a weekend—it's it's an odd schedule to get used to, because you have like a bad weekend where you play two games, where well, you can't really redeem yourself. It takes another—you got to wait a full week before you uh, yeah, that is true. You play again, right? So like yeah. that—that's really that's tough. I found that very tough.
0: Yeah, so then your final two years you uh you went two and four two fourteen, two and one and eight, which I'm sure you would say isn't the best. But I think it's important for goalies and like younger goalies in general, that you don't always win games. Like I think so can you explain like how you went through the entire season and kept moving forward despite losing some games? For my last season in college. Yeah. My last season in college was
1: really, really tough because I so backtrack to my second year in Hawkesbury, my last my twenty year old year, I turned twenty-one in February. I ended up playing like twelve games after turning twenty-one. So that took away a full year of eligibility. Um so I was supposed to have three years and then leave. So After my third season, and my third season, I didn't have the season I wanted by any means. It was like, you know, I was just above 900, save percentage, but I was aiming a lot higher because of the season I had the year before. And so uh, myself, along with my family advisor and my coaches, decided that we would kind of make another appeal and see if I could go back. For my last season well the ncaa granted my appeal but the problem was they suspended me for the 12 games that i played as a 21 year old in juniors so you know i mean how many games do you play in college like 32 yeah maybe? something like that so i ended up missing the first 12 games of the season so my first game that i played was in december So when you go from training all summer, right, to, and I think that I, I miss, I didn't manage that time period well enough. I would, I did the same, same thing that I do every summer, which is like, go nuts, you know, get on the ice, train, whatever. But then you get to school and now when you're at school, you know, the season starts And I'm practicing, I'm in the gym obviously, but we didn't have a a goalie coach. We had a volunteer guy that would come in once a week. So it was extremely tough to kind of get ready for my season, which started in December. You know what I mean? It was kind of like bottom heavy in like July, you know, August. I was like doing a bunch of stuff, June even. And then come to the start of school, like, I, I, August, September, October, November, I, it was like I wasn't doing nearly what I was doing before. So it, it, was, it was really hard adjustment. And, and granted, like, I think that first weekend I played one game that first weekend that I was back, and it went really well. It was like a really good game, but I was also playing off, like, adrenaline, you know? Yeah. And then from there, it was like, I just wasn't, I just didn't feel like I was in, I was not in mid-season form in December. I was like in, you know, beginning of the season form. And it was like, not only that, but I get into the season and then I play a game and the next thing you know, we got another two weeks off for Christmas break. Like it was, you know, it was very unusual circumstances, and then after the after christmas break i th- I think I ended up playing like seven or eight games after that i I'm not sure, but you know it, that was hard because I mean, the coaching staff you know they they start with with the goalie, and I mean I'm not there for twelve games, and he's playing well, and then you know he's got another year uh to play. And I mean, you know, I understand like why would they put me in if I'm like I'm done after this season, this guy could get some more games on this he' about to get ready for the next season yeah. um so that so again, that year was another year of being like really, really hard, hard year, and it played on you know, I think I was like a mentally weak that year because I just wanted to, so bad to sign a you know to play 20 games and, and have a great season and sign an NHL contract or an AHL contract. And that's all I was thinking about, you know, remember earlier I was telling you that when I was playing junior, my mindset was just like happy to be there and, and enjoy every moment. Well, at this point, like looking back now, that was not my mindset. My senior year was literally the end goal, like sign a contract. That's all I was thinking about. And because I wanted it so bad, but I went about it so wrong, you know? So I was extremely hard on myself in practice. Like every time I'd get a goal scored on me, I'd I'd lose my mind. I was like, you know, if I'm getting beat in practice right now, I'm going to get beat in the game, you know? But that's completely the wrong way to look at it. Um, So I made a lot of mistakes and, you know that 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 final year was hard, but again, I learned a lot about myself throughout that process, and it was, um, I would say, I would say it got me ready for the following year of going, you know, through some more adversity of being on five teams and bouncing around and whatever. You know, it was like, well, yeah. it can't
0: be as bad as last year, so you know, it kind of got me ready for it. Yeah, for sure. So let's go on to the following year where you played uh, in the East, yeah. East Coast Hockey League for, uh, we said earlier, South Carolina Stingrays, Idaho Steelheads, Manchester Monarchs, Brampton Beasts, and the Atlanta Gladiators. Like, yeah. how, do you, how do you think your first pro season went? Like, how do you stay positive despite being moved around a ton? Well, obviously, as a goalie, like, you
1: just you're hoping that a team – you know, like I had signed in South Carolina. I knew I knew what I was getting into when I signed there, which was the coach had told me. Ryan Worsowski, great guy. He was like, I have I have two guys coming back, but he's like, one of the guys is not playing how he should be playing, and he's like, if you come in and make the team and you're playing well, then. I'll keep three goalies. I'm not, I'm not afraid of keeping three goalies. So I was like, perfect. I'm like, that's exactly what I want to hear. That's like going back to my junior. Before I went to juniors, it was like, we'll give you a shot. You know, you'll be like another goalie at camp. But if you make the team, then you make the team. So I love that. I was like, perfect. I'm going to go there. I'm going to do my thing. And I believe in myself and I want to prove myself right. So I get there. I make the team start the season off now they have like a bunch of injuries and we had this another guy from south carolina who's now living there his name was jeff jakaitis this goalie had an incredible pro season incredible ncaa season uh career he this guy was like 35 years old i think he wanted to play one more year and so now we're four goalies because he has, like, a a very uh, credible pro career. Like, if you look at his numbers, like, the guy is legit. He's a great goalie. I'm a young buck coming in. He's, like, an old – not old guy, but, like, you know, he's at the end of his career, and he just wants to play one more year kind of thing or two more years, whatever. So, anyways, we start the season where, like, four goalies. And now, granted, there's injuries – in the American Hockey League, so two of the guys are up there, so we're down here. Then one guy gets sent down, so now we're three goalies. It was it was it was nuts. I make the team in September, probably three weeks in, the injuries start getting, you know, resolved, guys get getting back from injury, and I get released from South Carolina, like three weeks, or maybe not three weeks, probably like A month and a bit in so I get released I'm like what the heck am I gonna do now like I didn't even play a game you know so anyways talking with the coach and he's trying to like move me somewhere but nobody's picking me up naturally because I don't have any numbers like I have nothing so I end up uh, I end up going back to school to my school in Alabama so I'm staying there with my girlfriend And I'm trying to figure something out. And I'm like, you know, skating because there's ice there and I'm working out in the gym. And then one day I get a phone call from the head coach from South Carolina again, Ryan Warsawski. He's like, hey, Carm, like, there's been another injury. We'd love to have you back. Like, I was like, perfect. I'm on the next flight. Like, so I get out there, like, the following day or whatever. And uh, that weekend we had, We're going on a road trip and um, we're in Orlando and out of nowhere, the coach was like, you know, we practice a few days and he comes up to me. He's like, Hey, you're playing this weekend. And I was like, Oh shit. I was like, this is, this is awesome. You know, I finally get my first taste of whatever. So go to Orlando, have like an incredible game, even though we didn't, we didn't win. We lost in the, in a shootout. Um, and i and i was like honestly i'm like thinking about the goals and stuff in the shootout and i was just i did not handle that shootout properly i was just so eager to like get it over with and win it was like i wasn't calm and relaxed like i just was the complete opposite of that so they ended up scoring a goal on me their goalie like shut the door um so, yeah, we, we lost in that shootout, but I had an incredible game. And then that was my first game was probably, like, in December again. So it was, you know. And then I um, ended up getting released again from South Carolina because the injuries, you know, the guys came back from injury and I'm getting released again. And then I ended up spending – a month at home in Montreal, a month and a half, nobody, you know, nobody calling me, you know, obviously there's like SPHL teams trying to get me to go there. And I didn't want to play in the SPHL. Not that I think that I'm too good for the league. It's like not that, not the case at all. I just, I didn't want to get labeled as an SPHL goalie because I just wanted to play in the East Coast Hockey League and get a crack at the American Hockey League. Where like an NHL team would like view me as like a legit goalie. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's just it's just like that and, and it's too bad, but that's how it is in hockey. Is like you get a label beside your name on Elite Prospect, you're like there's S B H L beside your name and like all of a sudden like guys think that you can't play, you know? But it's it's total bogus. Like, I mean and again, some, some guys actually prove that wrong. They play in the SPHL and they end up making it to the American Hockey League. Like it happens. Um, not many times, but it does. And then I, I was at home for like about a month and I get a call from Idaho and I go out to Idaho and I I played my first game in Idaho and it didn't really go well at all. Like just like bad bounces. I was getting scored like these goals, like ricocheting off of pads going in the net. Like I couldn't believe how the whole situation was going. I, I I got pulled in the second period. We were losing like 4-1, I think, or something like that. So I get pulled in the second period. I play one game there. And I, I mean, you know, the coach after the game, he's like, comes up to me and he's like, hey, Carm, like, don't worry. Keep your head up. Like you're going to get another shot. You're – you're a great goalie, all this. So that made me feel better. But then I think it was after that weekend. So I was probably spent like two or two weeks in Idaho. And after that weekend that I played on the Monday, after practice, he calls me into the office and he's like, I, you know, I have a chance to, to grab this goalie and, you know, he's on fire right now and we're going to trade you. I was like, Like, what could I say to that? You know, I loved Idaho, but okay. And I got traded to Manchester. Then I went to Manchester. I stayed there for about a week, literally a week. We were, I was in Manchester for, for a week and then so on, like long, very long season, but played in Brampton for two, two months and then. I was in Atlanta for a week or two weeks. I was in Atlanta and I, funny enough, we're playing in South Carolina. So I'm like thinking the coach is going to let me play and he doesn't. And we're getting absolutely torched that game. And then finally he, uh, you know, there's like 10 minutes left in the third period and he's like, come get a net," And I'm like, what the heck? 10 minutes just, left. just throw me into the fire. Why don't you? But anyway, so lucky enough, it went well. I got in there, didn't get scored on. Um, So I guess you could say I got a 10 minute shutout there. (laughs) And then, right literally, right after the game, I don't even have my gear off. The coach is like, Hey, Carm, come and see me. So I get into his office thinking he's telling me that I'm going to play the next game, which is like in a a couple of days. He's like, uh, I got to let you go because our goalie that's in the American Hockey League is coming down for the playoffs. I was like, what the heck? I literally just got here a week ago. I just jumped into this game. You know, for the five shots that I received, I played well. Like, you know, I've been playing well in practice. Like, and... I just get, and that's how it is. That's how the East Coast Hockey League is. It's it's a bit of like a meat market, man. Like you, you know, if you if you end up if you end up sticking somewhere, and, I, and this is my advice to every goalie that's trying that wants to get a shot at the at the East Coast Hockey League. If you don't have an American Hockey League contract, you got to do your homework and find a team that literally does not that has an opening position in the East Coast Hockey League that has that slot where you could go and legit be on the team. You can't go to a team that has two goalies already. You can't go on a team that already has guys signed in the American Hockey League that they're going to send down. You it, you have to do, it's like literally an extensive research project. Like it really is. If you want to get a fair shot. And I obviously I didn't do that. And that's what happens. Like you're bouncing around like crazy. So that year was an absolute nightmare. But at the same time, I was like, you know what this, every time I got released or I got traded, I was like, okay, this is something better is coming, you know? Yeah. And obviously that something better was not that season, but, it was the following season going to France and having that that year where I played every game. I played every game but four. Now we only played one game a week in France, which I really didn't like. But again, like you know, had a lot of success in France, and that was that was fun.
0: Yeah, so let's let's go to that. So you played in France for uh, Brest. So yeah. What what was it like playing in France and like playing the game? in a different country compared to the States or Canada? Well, it's very, very different. I mean,
1: the ice is much bigger. There's – it, it's um, – I wouldn't say it's easier because, like, guys, the game is, like, way more skilled than it is, like, physical, you know? Yeah. Um, And the problem with the league that I played in, this is what made it really hard, was – you're playing against like I had a kid on my team that played in the KHL. I had guys on my team that played in, you know, the top league in Finland, in the Liga. I had guys on my team that played in Sweden and like, you know, the the second tier league. Like these are all top, like really good leagues. Like the kid who played in the KHL, he was like twenty twenty one years old who had already played in the KHL. Like this kid was incredible incredibly talented guy he just had like a you know nine concussions so he's like but i mean the talent is there on the first two lines same thing on your d pairing but when you have the first line of the other team playing against your third or fourth line which are typically you know like the which are typically like the bottom end team, uh, le- guys like yeah. the French guys. Mm-hmm. You have an absolute mismatch. It's like it's like if it's like if you had like if you're playing hockey in the street against like a five year old. That's what it feels like. It's so like the options, the, the plays and stuff like they get done way easier. And as a goalie, now you have to kind of worry about every option on the ice versus like the immediate threat. You know. So that was the toughest part, but um it was a pretty pretty decent league, but I would say like the the biggest shock is the way that things are ran in, in other countries, you know. Like you get that more of the semi professional kind of vibe. Um it's not necessarily like pro pro, like, you know, the meals aren't like pro, the bus trips aren't pro, yeah. like it's kind of, it's kind of weird, you know, it's kind of like semi-pro feel to it. Um, But again, it was, it was cool. Like you're, you're getting to live amongst like a different culture and you're learning stuff. It's, I
0: don't know, it's a cool experience. Yeah. So you were very successful in France. You played 23 games posting a 2.8 goals against average and played seven games in the playoffs And you really didn't get this chance in the, in the coast. So like, what was it like playing, like playing, like pretty much all, all the games, like you said, and like, and playoff hockey in France. What was that like? Well, it was good. Like, I mean, you know, the part of the reason why I went
1: there was because the coach had told me that I'd play every game, you know? So I wanted to do that because I was telling myself if I could, if I could like have, good numbers at the end of the year, then I could set myself up to move up a league or to move to a different country the following year in, in Europe, you know. So that's the way I was viewing it. And then uh, I didn't want to go back to the East Coast Hockey League that year because of what I've been through the year before. Um, but that's the reason why I went there. Um, the playoff hockey was was it was fun like i mean every game in europe there's like the fans are crazy it's like kind of like a soccer game you know you get the chance the whole game the the drums the like just it's just it's an incredible the- like it's very different than north america so that that side of it was fun and then you get into the playoffs and it's even crazier obviously like the whole town pretty much is at the game so it's like packed and it's
0: It's fun. It was like a really, really cool uh, experience. Yeah. Did you guys do like the the clap after the game and stuff like that? Yeah, we would uh,
1: after after every game we would uh, we would skate around the rink and and do that. We would clap or like skate around the like take a like a victory lap or actually we did that even when we lost, but we didn't lose many
0: games that year. <laughs> That's sick I, I just see those on those celebration on YouTube and the is, the crowd seems insane well they're, they're very i think that's a difference between american uh,
1: or North American sports and European sports. European people are so passionate about their their own like um, their town's sports teams you know yeah they like when I was in France we had a professional handball women's handball team In you should have seen this arena it was absolutely incredible like it seated like 8,000 people it was packed every night you know and I'm not I'm not crapping on like women's handball but it's it's not like it's not like soccer or it's not like hockey but the people are super passionate about it and to be to be completely fair it's absolutely incredible to see these like they're great athletes so it's it's cool
0: like yeah it just it just seems like everyone everyone comes together and like yeah that, that whole like they're, environment's insane exactly they're just so
1: passionate like they they work all week and they they li- they quite literally save up money for these nights like these are like the the night the night out you know that's like the treat you go out watch a game go and have a beer after at the pub or whatever. Like that's that's what they like to do. It's, it's, it's an incredible experience.
0: That that just seems so cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It really is.
0: Yeah. So then after your time in France, you retired and you became the goalie coach for St. Lawrence university. So like, what was the process like become a goalie coach? And did you always want to be a goalie coach or like what like particular level did you want to coach at?
1: Yeah, so like, I mean, I was always a goalie coach from even the day that I quit hockey. I mean, when I was 17, 18, I started doing these goalie camps, you know, I started coaching and stuff. And I was always very passionate about that that side of the game, like the goalie coaching side of it, because I loved working with a goalie coach and trying to you know, new things. And I, and I love to learn things like that was the coolest thing to me was like, Oh, like I could position myself here and have to do less work. Like this saves me a lot of time. Like all that stuff was, I, I love to learn about that stuff. So I always knew that later on in my career, I didn't think it was going to be right after I retired, but I always knew that I wanted to be involved in some way, Uh, whether it be like an assistant coach or a goalie coach, you know, I always had like that, that dream of being a NCAA assistant slash goalie coach. Um, Just because of my time at UAH, I saw that, you know, we had a volunteer guy and I thought that it would be so beneficial for a team to have, you know, an assistant coach who could also be a goalie coach, uh, be there full time. And I just, you know, I was like, this is a dream job. You get to I get to teach guys I get to tell them about my story and and guide them in the right direction, you know, and, and um how could I say this? Like you know, not have them do the same mistakes that I that I made, you know. And, I mean I made a lot of them and I think the reason why I wanted to become a goalie coach was because of the mental side of the game that I think is so important. Like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, a lot of guys, you know, they come to the NCAA and you're, you're, you're just, you're just young and your, your thinking process is not usually like the best, you know, some guys get easily frustrated and stuff like that. And they need somebody to talk to because, goalies can't go and just talk to the head coaches like it's not it's not the same relationship you can't go and talk to an assistant coach that doesn't know anything about goalies because it truly is a different position you need somebody that understands a position to talk to you know yeah so I wanted to be that guy and I was lucky enough to you know to to get that opportunity with St. Lawrence and like I'm a volunteer goalie coach there. just to clarify um so I go there once a week and I spend time with the with the guys and we you know we talk throughout the week we do video we work on different things we try different things like you know I I really enjoy it and I hope that one day I could really be you know could be my
0: full-time thing (laughs) yeah for sure so as, as, like, a goalie coach, what is, like, the most important thing you try to, like, preach on the, your goalies at uh, St. Lawrence? Well,
1: it's different. Like, it's different. It's situational. It depends on the goalie. You know, some goalies have different things they need to work on. Um, so, I kind of – I guess – if I had to pick something that I preach would be, you know, work hard, have fun and control what you could control. Like those are, you know, all of those things are controllable. Like you could directly, you could do all of these things. You could choose to control the controllables. You could choose to have a good attitude. You could choose to work hard and you could choose to have fun. Like, and that, just has to do with your it's basically like your mental state and obviously your physical state but like you you have to be willing to um to do the things that you 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 can do you can't control like your team scoring goals like we were talking about earlier so you can't worry about that stuff and that's what i tried to to tell you know these guys but Again, going back to what I said earlier, it's easy to say and it's hard to do, but you got to do it, you know. So it, it's also very hard, you know, going there once a week. Yeah. It's not the same as being there full time where you could really, truly, like, I mean, really get to know the goalies on a personal, personal level, you know. I think when you when you start doing that, you could – you can start like saying, okay, like this guy has, you know, maybe a confidence issue and it, it comes from, you know, I don't know, this part in his life. And maybe if we could fix that, he could like, there's, there's so many aspects that go into, into that.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I know in the future that I would love to become a goalie coach and like I'm currently working on to become a pro goalie as well. Like yeah. when, when it comes to like, being like a goalie coach like what do you what are some tips that you'd have to like become like a goalie coach and help other goalies well i would say like get to know really try and get
1: to know your goalies as best as you can because like i just explained everyone's different and not everybody needs the same type of attention it's all it's all different um so you need to know your guys you also need to know what you're talking about you have to become kind of like obsessed with um you know techniques and and strategies and ideas so you you gotta you gotta be able to know your stuff like very well um and i think the last thing is you you have to be prepared like anything in life whether you're trying to become a pro goalie or you're trying to become a a goalie coach like preparation is key like what are you going to do in order to become a pro goalie like you have to prepare you have to come out with a plan and say I'm going to train an hour a day off ice I'm going to get on the ice an hour a day I'm going to do some hand eye coordination for like five to ten minutes a day like those are all things that are in your preparation that will allow you to become a pro goalie but it's the same thing with a goalie coach like you have to prepare your practices prepare you know what you need to work on like prepare your even the subjects that you want to talk to your goalies about whether it be techniques or like the mental side of the game like you have to prepare for that stuff to Obviously, in my situation, given that I'm a volunteer guy, I have to maximize time. So, like, preparation is key because I only get like an hour with them a week on the ice, right? Yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, those are the biggest things I, I'd say, in yeah. my opinion. Anyways, yeah. for sure. So, thank you for those tips. Those I'll definitely use those to to my advantage. Yeah, man. You'll see. You it'll literally help you. It will. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I have one more question, and uh, like like I was telling you, good friend of the show, Jamie Phillips, and you had an epic triple OT game when you're at UAH and he went he was at M T U. So, can you go in depth of like what that game was like and how you felt like that like going into triple overtime? How like how sick was that? Yeah. So like prior to the game, we had we had literally that was the first time we made playoffs
1: since. I think 2010 was the last time UH made playoffs. So this was like six years later or something like that. Um, so prior to, to that game, I was like, I mean, I was jacked up. I was excited to play. Obviously we're going against, I think they were top three in the, in the country at that time. Excuse me. And so I'm like, this is unreal. You know, this is fun. So before the game, what I did was I sent a message to my entire team. Um, And I shared with them an experience that I had gone through my first year in Hawkesbury where we were playing against the Carlton Place Canadians and the Carlton Place Canadians had like 12, you know, D1 commits and they were just a powerhouse. And we went into we were like a severe underdog when I mean underdog like we were supposed to get swept, you know. But what ended up happening in that playoff series, best of seven, is that we swept them. Just because of the way the team rallied together, everybody was in good spirits. Everybody was clicking. Everybody was playing well. And we swept them. We literally knocked out the team that was probably supposed to win the whole thing. So I shared that with my teammates before the game. And I was like, look, this happened to me once we may be the underdogs by a long shot right now, but like we go into the game and, and handle our stuff. We could, it's it's one game, anything could happen. You know, we had won games that year. So I'm like, you know, we, you know, it could happen. So we get into the game and like, I don't know, I was just so excited to play. But at the same time, like, I guess a little nervous, but I wouldn't say I was like really nervous. It was just more of like a, I was excited to play. I was excited to win that game, you know? Yeah. And the team, I I, got to say, like, the first two periods, like, we were playing, like, pretty well. And even, like, even the third period, we played pretty well. It's just, like, after a while, like, you you start, I mean, guys get tired, and that's completely normal. And, like, when you get tired, guys with skill, you know, will – kind of expose you and they were obviously way more skilled than we were and our team the way we played was like really hard like if you were gonna if you were gonna beat us like it was gonna be you're gonna get hurt like so obviously we didn't have much skills but the guys gave it everything they had so naturally I mean when we started getting in the late third period and like overtime and stuff we were running out of gas so Uh, i mean i was getting a lot of shots but at the same time like i just had this mindset where it was like i just knew and felt that game that nothing was getting by me i don't know what came over me but it was just like i was laughing i was having fun and i was like there man there's no way they're scoring on me tonight like there's just no way and uh Sure enough, like, it was freaking crazy. Like, I think at one point in, like, the double, in the second overtime, one of my teammates came down the wing and, and took a shot. And it went right past, like, right through uh, Jamie's, like, arm. And it trickled right along the goal line. Oh. Like, if we, if we would have scored, we would have won, you know, would have won. But the puck, like, it just rode, like, the red line kind of. And then somebody came and cleared it, but I was like, Oh my God, we're that close. Like it's going to happen for us, you know? And then going to, you know, obviously we went into the third overtime and I still, at that point I was like, this is, this is so fun. But I didn't even realize to be completely fair with you. I had no idea what overtime we were in. I had no idea how many shots I had on me. At one point, I glanced up, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, are they counting these right? Like, this is crazy. And then we it was probably like – there's probably like a minute and 50 seconds to go in the third overtime, give or take. And they're in our zone, and, like, puck goes up to the point, like right up the wall, and the defenseman takes a shot from – from that that angle, and there's a bunch of guys in front of me like I mean a bunch of guys and the puck like trickles kind of trickles through it bounces through and it hits my pad and it goes to the left of me and I see one of their guys that's literally just hanging out there by himself skating in and I was like I was pretty far away from it, but I I dove. And obviously looking back now, I see I'm playing it in my mind. I shouldn't have dove. I should have like probably tried to, you know, just power slide as hard as I could to get there. But I dove and it literally just went right past my blocker. Like I, I'm telling you, like I almost, I almost hit it. Like went right past my blocker and in the net. And that was like, that was devastating. We were going into the fourth overtime, like, I don't know what the longest game is in, in the history of the NCAA, but it has to be had they not had they not scored that goal and we went in the fourth overtime, like that could have been like – it was like a never-ending game. Like they weren't scoring, we weren't scoring. He was playing well, and I was playing well. Like it was just – and then, you know, when guys start getting more tired, like obviously the shots start coming from further out and they're not as dangerous and it's like kind of easier to save. You know, it yeah. takes that one – crappy bounce for it to go in you know so that's that's how the game went and it was pretty devastating I mean till this day like everybody you know gets brought up pretty often that I had like that performance but it's it's great it it's great and I'm happy about it but at the same time I'm not because we didn't win that game and like you know that would have been that would have been the you know, winning the game was the goal. Making seventy six saves was the cherry on top. It wasn't necessarily like, you know, I don't really care for it. I, I'm there's getting that first win in playoffs for UAH and like you know whatever it is, ten years. That's the that's the the um, accomplishment that would have been that would have been nice,
0: you know. Yeah, for sure. So um, what, what would you do for, like, recovery, like, between, like, all the overtimes? Like, you have to be running out of energy at that point. Like, what do you do? To- we were taking some uh, at the at the time. Like,
1: it's weird because when you're playing a game like that, you don't feel – you don't feel – I didn't feel tired. I felt like I could keep going. And, like, I would keep going until we won, you know? Um naturally like you're sweating a ton so you you start getting cramps here and there but you know I kept kept hydrating and then we had these electrolyte uh, capsules like instead of drinking Gatorade or whatever I would just take an electrolyte capsule and you know I think I took one in between like probably like the second and third overtime like I don't even know I didn't even like I just took it because at that point I was like, okay, if I don't take something, I'm going to start literally like seizing up. So, you know, I didn't do anything special. The next day is, is kind of what killed me because I, we played again, right. We played on the Saturday and I think we only lost like three, one with the open net goal of that game. And that was another like 40 something shots. But, I remember just getting dressed for the game and i put my skates on and I, my ankles like were kind of sore i was wearing like these graph skates that i had for like about a year and the inside were pretty worn out but me not playing on adrenaline and all of that i didn't really feel it the night before but i put my skates on and i get on the ice for a warm up and i try and take a stride and I had, like, really bad ankle bruises on, like, my all four of my ankle bones. Like, they were just bruised like crazy because of my skates. So I, I get off the ice, like, five minutes into warm-up, and I try to stuff, like, some sponges or whatever, but it, it just wasn't working. Like, it was just so painful. I couldn't even go down to my butterfly. So <clears throat> I tell my coach, I'm like, Coach, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't play like my, I literally can't do a T push. I can't get into my butterfly. I can barely get in my goalie stance. So we are like trying to find a solution with the donuts and all the sponges and everything. Nothing's working. So like the trainer's like, well, I could, I could, uh, I could inject you with something and like, you won't, you won't feel it. It's like, do whatever you got to do. Like, I want to play this game like if if this means that I'm gonna be able to go get into my butterfly and not feel a thing then then do it yeah. so he gives me like two needles into my ankles, and like two minutes after like I guess it hits me, and i'm I'm like, okay, I can't feel my the bottom of my legs at all couldn't feel my toes, couldn't feel anything, so I was like, this is awesome, get in there and had like a another really really good performance that night like really good game and uh the next the next day after that game i i wake up and i like try to step out of bed and at this point my my all my ankles are so bruised like they're just blue like everything my whole like everything's blue because like my what happened was my ankles were rubbing up against I had no more padding on the inside of my seat. It was, like, plastic. So, like, when I was going into a butterfly or whatever, it was just, like, on plastic. And I tried to get out of bed. I couldn't even put any pressure on both of my feet. It was insane. Like, I never – I didn't think that could happen. But so, anyways, I ended up going back home with two losses and a pair of crutches.
0: So, nice nice trip, Michigan Tech. (laughs) yeah what did you have to like crawl out of bed and when you're you couldn't feel your legs or like what what happened there yeah i i mean i got out of bed and
1: like you could i was like holding on to everything to like walk you know and like my roommate was like what the heck's wrong with you i'm like dude i swear to god i cannot stand on my on my on my feet like it's so bad and uh sure enough like my ankles were mangled and honestly, it didn't get, it didn't get, um, it didn't get resolved for another like two or three weeks. I It was like so bad that I, I couldn't, I couldn't run, I couldn't do anything. And it was just because like the, they started swelling really bad too. Like, so it was just like, I don't know. it was crazy. I'm like, call my trainer. I'm like, dude, I need crutches because I can't freaking put any pressure on my on my legs.
0: Yeah, so, I can't. I can't imagine the the pain that I felt like just getting back on the ice. Like my feet were not used to it, and like my feet would start to hurt right away. Yeah, but, yeah. I can't imagine going through two games of like 70, 77 shots and then forty, and then yeah, I, was, I like, can't imagine that. It was essentially we played three games in, in
1: the span of like like literally less than 24 hours. We played three hockey games. So it was like crazy. And that was just me being dumb that year. I had like brand new pair of skates that I didn't want to use because I was so used to these other ones. And I paid the price for it. That's, that's what happened. So I, after that time, I was like, I'm never doing this again. Again, every year I have a new pair of skates. I'm wearing a new pair of skates every year because you you can't imagine the pain of of like think about it. If you were to put on your skates and tie them right now and took all the padding out of like the ankles and then you go on the ice and just try to go down into your butterfly on plat on hard plastic, like it's nuts. Like it's it's absolutely crazy. But I, I paid the price for it. I guess they really wore out that game. <laughs> Yeah.
0: For so, so, uh, Carmine, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate your time and uh, I want to wish you the best of luck with goalie coaching and in life. This was a blast. Thanks man. I, I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, this was, was really fun and I
1: wish you the best of luck as well. Hopefully you could, you could accomplish what you, what you want to do in being a pro goalie and also a goalie coach. Um, but, yeah,
0: keep doing these, man. I'm going to start following these and listening to them. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So that'll do it for this episode. So thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you, Carmine, for coming on the to the show. We I had a blast. It was nice talking, goaltending with you and goal, and goalie coaching and all that. So thank you guys so much for listening or watching. And uh, don't forget to follow our Instagram at on the spot sports with underscores between each word. So on underscore the underscore spot underscore sports, and listen to all these episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and Google podcasts at on the spot And we'll see you guys later. Peace.